Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Uh, you know, I don't expect to lose a game if we're leading after the fifth inning. Um, I really think that the talent in our bullpen's, you know, that good where we should be able to go out there and hold leads for our starters regardless of the score. Just a matter of time. She's not lonely. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. All right, he's 1-1 one, one pitch. Ooh, left it up. Calhoun hits it hard. Out to center Get field. Up. That one is gone! And Calhoun has tied it in the ninth! And we had wondered about Liam Hendricks. Would the stump be the same? And the answer is no. Nick to right. Second time in his many nights playing shallow in the outfield has cost the Rangers. Gallo was shallow. It cost him the game. It's time for Hit and Run with your host. Hi, Chris. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. You don't get Matt Spiegel today. Well, no, you do. You just don't get him for hit and run. He's off to a much, much bigger assignment. Uh, My name is Chris Ranji. Hello. I'm with you until 1245 today, at which time Spiegs will take over the Cubs pregame show. It is Zach, Ron, and Spiegel on the Cubs broadcast today. The finale of the series against the Brewers will will happen this afternoon uh, at Wrigley Field. Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's good to hear from you. Well, it's good to be with you, and I guess you get to hear from me, and I want to hear from you as well throughout the show today. This is my first time ever. I have never in, what, the 14-plus years I, I worked at the score, never got to host Hit and Run. This is it. This is a first time for me. I'm very excited. I hope that you're excited. I hope that you will participate in the show with me today. Uh, The text zone is a way to do it. You can text 312-644-6767. It is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Here's what we have on the show today. First of all, Sean Anderson is the producer. He's been doing a lot of hard work last night and this morning, um, helping me get ready for this, helping us, uh, you know, uh, hopefully put together something really good for you today uh we're gonna do this we're gonna talk to dan zimborski of Fangraphs, um who is he's been writing for a very long time advanced metrics stuff you've probably read his stuff already he's been all over and he is with Fangraphs now 
And we're going to talk to him at 940 today. At 10 o'clock, James Fegan of The Athletic covering the White Sox will be with us. We will visit with the score's very own Bruce Levine at 1040 today. We'll talk both sides of town, both Cubs and Sox. And Gordon Wittenmeyer at 11 o'clock, who covers the Cubs, he will be with us as well. So you heard from Aaron Bummer, and you heard some of the White Sox highlights from yesterday. And as we sit here today, folks, uh, guess what? Neither team in town is a losing team. We have we have two teams in town right now that are at least 500. So I think maybe things are looking up in Chicago baseball, at least uh, for right now, as we get toward the end of April. This is a a, a very good time. I know that uh, there there are some things that are a little bit in flux when it comes to the Cubs. There's some uncertainty as the season has already been up and down. And I think there were some expectations that maybe for a lot of people weren't there. And as of right now, to be 10 and 10 on the season, I think we will take that. I, I think we will take that as of right now. Meanwhile, for the White Sox, this is a team that has been coming to this, right? I mean, wouldn't you say that that, that we've been on the way to this, a team that is good? I mean, they were good last year, and and it's difficult to know exactly what the White Sox were in 2020 because you only had 60 games to go on. It's it's not it's not a full season. You don't get a full 6 months. You don't really know what would have happened after that 60 games, you know, because that's that's how baseball goes a lot of times, isn't that right? That maybe for 60 games a team looks pretty good or they look pretty bad and then they then they change. You know, there's a 180 after that mark. So we didn't really know what to expect um, with that team going into this year, except we thought they were going to be good. We figured they were going to be good. And guess what? So far, that is coming to fruition. This has been a very good, very fun team to watch uh, early on this season, despite the injury to Eloy Jimenez. And I, I like where they are. Right now, I like where they are. And I think that you probably also like where they are. Um, again, folks, I want to talk to you today. You can call that number. I gave you the text line. It is the same phone number to call. 312-644-6767. You can visit with me. You can tweet at the show. It is at hitandrun670. You can tweet at me if you want to directly at Chris Ranji. You're welcome to follow me there. And we can talk baseball today. And I right now I am uh, I'm, I'm very excited about the way things are going in town, at least to begin the season. And who knows what's going to happen if we talk on May 25th, uh, we might see uh, we might be talking about completely different things when it comes to both of these teams. Right. I think that's totally possible. The White Sox at 11 and nine, as I mentioned, the Cubs are an even 500 at this point of the year, despite all of their uncertainty. Uh, maybe we're talking about different things as the season goes on. But right now, this early on, pretty good. I- I'm happy with it overall. I'm happy with the product overall. Are you happy with the product on both sides of town? So I guess the products, are you happy with them? Because to be perfectly honest with you, I feel pretty good about the way things are. And, and like I said, maybe once we get to the end of May, it's going to be a completely different situation on one side of town or the other. Or maybe both. We don't know. But I do think that things are looking up for both teams. What a fun day it was, fun night it was, at 
guaranteed rate field last night. Dallas Keuchel doing exactly what you expected him to do. Six innings, no runs for him. That was a really good outing in what ended up being a, a really fun game. I mean, they um, let it go in the ninth inning, and you were thinking, oh my gosh, the bullpen, which should be a strength of this team, or one of the strengths of this team, has struggled early on this season. There have been a lot of leads that have been given up late by the White Sox so far this year, and with a one nothing ball game in the ninth, your expectation, or at least your hope, was, okay, maybe they'll hang on to this, maybe we will we'll get this win and move on to the next day, and, of course, um, they tie it up. Texas does. But the White Sox come back. Nick Madrigal had what I thought was a fantastic at-bat in that ninth inning. And seeing him come through in that situation on an 0-2 count, and this is somebody who doesn't strike out a ton anyway, so I think you kind of expected that's what you were going to get from him. You were going to get a, a decent at-bat at least, and with the infield playing in, you heard Steve Stone on the broadcast there talking about it. The infield playing in really hurt Texas in that moment. Now that's a couple of times in, in this series that that has happened to them. But uh, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And you know what? You were saved. You were spared of the extra inning rule that I know you hate. Everybody hates the extra inning rule with a runner at second base. Um, you were spared of that yesterday. So the strong start from Dallas Keuchel, six innings of no-run baseball, and then the heroics of Nick Madrigal. That was a fun night on the south side, and I think you're going to get to see a lot of those kinds of games with this White Sox team in the next five months of the season. There are going to be a lot of close games, and there are going to be a lot of things that happen late and sometimes they're they're going to come up on the right end, and then there are going to be times where they don't. But more often than not, I think you're, as the season goes on, and it's already proven to be true so far, you're going to get a lot of close, exciting games with the White Sox. At minimum, that's what you'll get. You're going to get some frustration, too. There's already been some of that, and there's no question about it, but you're going to get some exciting baseball as the season goes on. Um, also, uh, as I mentioned with the Cubs, a very frustrating day at Wrigley Field yesterday. And I thought Alzale looked really, really good. Man, his stuff is filthy. I mean, his stuff is really, really good. Four and two-thirds innings for him. Couple of runs, couple of hits. He did strike out seven as the Cubs go up against a guy in Freddie Peralta who has been really tough against them. I mean, so far this year in a couple of starts, he's been tough. Now three starts, he's been tough. And overall, um, on the season, a 2.45 ERA. But Alzali, look, that 5.4 ERA for him, that's not, I don't think that's true. I, I, I know that that's what it is so far. But I do think as the season goes on, as he gets more and more starts, as his career goes on, you're going to get better numbers than that from him. I just don't think a 5.4 ERA is is truly what his talent level is. I'm, I'm very excited about what his career turns into. And, of course, you never know for sure, but I think there's a lot about him to be excited about, and he looked really good yesterday. Uh, of course, things sort of got out of hand uh, when the bullpen took over in that fifth inning, um, Rex Brothers did, you know, had the couple of walks and then Workman and then Chafman comes in and he gets the loss. Um, uh, the Cubs yesterday going through five different relievers in that game. And that's one of those frustrating losses and the frustration obviously 
uh, well, it, it came to a head in the ninth inning with the Cubs down by one. And Jason Hayward, the inning prior, having having gotten the Cubs within a run on that solo home run, and it looked like they were about to mount some sort of comeback against Josh Hader, who, again, had just walked somebody. He had just walked somebody. And it's very rare that you see on a uh, on a no-count pitch a manager get so upset with the umpire and then get thrown out from the dugout because he didn't like the call. And David Ross had every reason to be upset with that call. And man, I got to tell you, I don't know how you feel, and I know that piling on umpires is popular because sometimes they are just so frustrating. And I know that like 98% of the time they get it right. But that 2%, sometimes that 2% is really, really bad. And sometimes that 2% um, sort of sets up how the rest of an at-bat goes or how the rest of... Uh, uh, an inning will go sometimes. And yeah, I, I think that you can criticize the Cubs and say, look, you got to forget about that. You got to forget about that call to Marisnik. And it was a bad call. It was a high pitch that was called a strike. You got to move on. You got to move on to the next thing. But one thing it does is this. It makes you chase when you're a hitter. You get a call like that. And it's clearly a ball but it gets called a strike, whether it's high or low or inside. All that does is set up the hitter to be in a defensive position. So instead of wanting to attack, he feels like he's going to have to chase something when the pitch is that bad and it's called a strike. So, look, I, I, I go both ways on this thing. I I understand that as a hitter, you got to block it out. When a bad call is made, You've got to block that out, and you have to move on to the next pitch. You have to forget about it. But, man, people are human. Hitters are still human. And when something like that happens, I do think it changes your approach. And David Ross was right to be upset about that. He was absolutely right to be uh, upset with the home plate umpire in that game yesterday afternoon. I think it did kind of change things. Um, again, the, the Cubs have to overcome that stuff, but I think you have to keep in mind what did happen leading up to the rest of that. I mean, I got to tell you, I umpires, man, I try so hard to uh, praise them most of the time or to at least uh, ignore them. Maybe praise is not the right word. I think ignore is a better word because if an umpire is doing his job, you don't really notice them. Well, right? and a big thing yesterday, too, after that call, Coom and Pat were like, he's been great all day, and that's his worst yeah. call. And literally, it could not have come that's through the worst time for the Cubs. Right. That is that is 100% true. Like, he had a really good game yesterday. You didn't notice him. In fact, I didn't hear his name until the, the that inning. I think that was the first time in the entire game I heard the home plate umpire's name. And I forgot it already. Was it Corey Blazer? Is that who it was? I think so. The first yeah. name sounds right. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but I, I know you have to just kind of move on and you have to forget about it. But, dude, when you when you blow a call in that moment and it ends up... Look, Hader in that moment could have put himself in a very bad position. Think about this. You just walk the leadoff hitter. Okay, you're supposed to close the game. It's a one-run game. You do that. 
and then you throw ball one to the next hitter, then you start thinking, oh, God, uh-oh, like maybe, and I don't know, I'm not in Josh Hader's head, but there has to be at least a little part of him that starts to doubt, that starts to think, I might be in trouble here. But then what happens? He gets bailed out by that call. And I, and I think it did kind of ruin what happened after the fact. And there was no guarantee the Cubs were going to come back anyway. But being down 0-1 as opposed to being up one nothing in a count is kind of a big deal and can have ramifications for the rest of the, of the at-bat. So I think it was a really unfortunate ending. Could have been a nice comeback for the Cubs, but it did not happen. But as we sit here right now, uh, there is a lot, I think, to... On, on both sides of town, I mean, obviously the Sox, as we mentioned, have, have had the expectations. They're the favorite to win the division for most people. So to be 11-9 and nine to start this season, okay, I will take that. And I think the exact same thing is, is true for the Cubs who are in this, maybe it's a transitional period. That, that might be the best way to, to put it right now. And I'm, I'm more than happy to be getting toward the end of April and for that team to at least be 10 and 10. You know, during the show today, uh, I want to touch on a number of different topics, and Javier Baez is one of them uh, when it comes to the Cubs, and he's been taking a lot of criticism in this early part of the season because some of the numbers have been really disappointing. And if you watch the at-bats, you watch him closely, he doesn't always look, um, I, I don't want to say un, like he's comfortable. I don't know if that's the right word. But what I think is the plate approach isn't always there. There's a lot of chasing that goes on, I think, with him. And that's been pretty evident at the beginning part of the season, and there's been some disappointment in the amount of production he's given you. But there might be reason, other than just the sheer talent alone, there might be some reason to be optimistic about what he's doing. And we will uh, talk about that as uh, hit and run goes on today. Also with the White Sox, again, they're going to finish up their series against Texas this afternoon. Both teams will play afternoon games today Look, this is this is going to be, I think, a, a very fun season. Today is going to be a very fun day. I told you about all the guests we've got uh, coming up here. Dan Zimborski is going to join us a little bit later in the hour. James Fegan covering the White Sox. He's going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour. So will Bruce. And then we'll have Gordon Wittenmeyer on the Cubs later in the show. To visit with me, 312-644-6767. That is the telephone number and the number to text. We would like to hear from you today. I'm Chris Ranji, Sean Anderson, my producer, our producer. You're listening to Hit and Run on the Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And Jake will take a fastball strike. Marisnik thought it was high, and somebody has been thrown out of the game. David Ross, I believe, has been thrown out of the game, and I, I don't understand how in the world. I mean, we're in the ninth inning. Why is he doing that? David, how much does that impact the rest of the bat, the next batter, where I, I think even Ian Every Hatton pitch matters. Next- Listen, every pitch matters. That's why we fight, and we, we have – that's why framing so important. That's why pitch calling so important. That's why it's heightened in the playoffs. That's why – um, we put so much importance and we kind of yell and scream out of the dugout at times and trying to – the strike zone is important. The, and, and balls that change the bats, 1-0 is a lot different than 0-1, period. The man ain't wrong. Uh, the highlights, courtesy of us, 670 The Score, the Cubs radio network yesterday afternoon. And you can listen to more Cubs action today. Uh, Zach is in for Pat and Ron is in for himself and Speegs is in for Zach. Spiegel's going to get the fifth inning of play-by-play today as well. So uh, broadcast, you're going to want to listen to. It is the finale of the series against the Brewers, a team that, look, I, I, I've been wavering on this before the season started. I thought for sure that it would probably, well, I say I thought for sure, and then I say probably immediately after that. Um, But I did think that it was probably going to be the Cardinals that would be the team that ended up being the biggest issue in the division for everybody else. But I don't sleep on Milwaukee. That Brewers team is, they're going to be a problem as well. The thing the Cubs do have going for them, other than they've, they've still got a lot of talented players on their team, and there was the piece written earlier this week by old friend uh, Jesse Rogers, um, you know, talking to scouts who are, they can't believe, and this was before like the 15-run blow-up the Cubs had a couple of days ago, um, that there are scouts, there are people in the game that still are, that they can't believe that the offense had struggled as much as it did, you know, leading into that four-game winning streak. And, you know, looking at the lineup and you have, a really good heart of the order, like a, a strong, strong heart of the order in in Contreras and Rizzo and Bryant and Baez. And then for this team to have struggled most of the season offensively is astounding to a lot of people, even people in the game, even people in the game of baseball who work professionally in this business um, have a difficult time understanding why they've had so much difficulty hitting. And and again, it has looked better over the last four days or so. And, and yesterday was different. Um, they ran into a guy who's been pitching them well in Freddie Peralta. But by and large, it, it's an offense that has struggled for most of the season, then, then had a, a pretty good three, four days, and then yesterday happened. But it is, it's astounding to people who understand the sport and who are in it. And it is to me as well. I mean, I, I still think that offensively they are much better 
than what they showed in the first three plus weeks of the season. And I think there there's reason for optimism uh, after what's happened over the last couple of days. And hopefully that will continue for them. And they're going to play this afternoon in Milwaukee. As I said, the Brewers are going to be an issue this year. I, I wouldn't let last year fool you. They are a difficult team and they will be for the division. I, I'm not so sure the Cardinals are definitely the best team in the Central, as some people seem to think before the season began. I did give you the phone number, 312-644-6767. A lot of Sox and Cubs talk today. I also want to go through like the rest of baseball, and it's not necessarily all of baseball. It's just one particular series that has, man, these two teams have delivered so far. I'm talking about the Dodgers and the Padres. Those, man, those series, those games are going to be so fun. I, I don't know how they top the first six that they've already played against each other. They've just been awesome. Those two teams have been awesome. It'll be the most fun, you know, if you're from a baseball perspective, just stepping back and looking in and not having a rooting interest in any team. If, if, if that's you, if you if you just like baseball, you don't like a team, you just like to watch the sport, that is the series, that is the rivalry that is going to be the most fun all year long. And they have already done it. Like constant lead changes. And then what happened last night was awesome. And we're going to talk about that um, later on in Hit and Run today. I'm Chris Ranji. I'm in for Spiegel. And uh, let's take a phone call. Or two. What do you think of that? We'll talk to Ron on the south side. What's up, Ron, old friend? How are you? Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this since last week when Speed said that you were going to be filling in. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I want to talk some White Sox. But, you you, you, you know, Ron, G., uh, we heard about the potential of the bullpen. And even with Jimenez being out, we thought the White Sox – offense would be good. But what has really uh, impressed me the most has been the starting pitching. Uh, and a lot to do with um, Rodon. No Dylan C. still is struggling with his control. But I feel each game, the, the pitchers they put out there, that the White Sox have a chance to be in the game. Uh, certainly they've had to show up the defense. The defense was struggling a little bit. But I, I agree with you. I like where they are now. They had some injuries. They're getting over 500. They're now starting to beat some teams. Um, I know Detroit will be um, coming in and beating the teams they need to. But based on, you know, Kevin Hodge, they, they, they started, I like where the, where the team is. So, uh, those – and, I, look, I agree with you regarding the Dodgers and, and, and San Diego. We get a chance to see them – this evening, and lastly, you talked about the the Brewers. They're doing they're being competitive, playing pretty good ball without two of their players, Kane and Zealot. So, um, mm-hmm. so uh, I agree with you. That's that's a tough team, but I'm really just happy uh, with 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 my wife socks to where they're playing. So, Chris, ha- have a good day, Roger. Always a pleasure. You too, Ron. It's good to hear from you. It's been a long time. Um... Ron used to call the post-game show uh, fairly frequently, and and usually he he wasn't interested. That's what I like about Ron. He's not interested in small talk. He'll call up. He'll say, this is what I got to say. He'll say, okay, Chris, goodbye, and then he would hang up and then go away. 
and I thought he was the best. And it's good to hear from Southside Ron. Anybody else who wants to check in today is is welcome to do so. You've got the no, the the phone number. I I think ultimately, when we get deeper into the season, I think things will sort of um, I I think they'll flesh out with the Sox bullpen, and some of the struggles and the leads that they have given up late in this early part of the year, I think that's going to, I think those rough edges are going to smooth out a bit. I just don't, I don't think they're that bad so far. Um, and there are a bunch of different numbers that you can look at when it comes to the bullpen. If you like ERA, you can do that. If you want to, I, I kind of impartial to the, the fielding independent numbers. So the fit for them is fifth so far in the American league behind, believe it or not, the Yankees uh, have had, a really good bullpen, at least in terms of the uh, numbers like FIP and ERA. The the Yankees' bullpen ERA is 2. Well, it's 2.03, but it's they have done really, really well. And the, the relievers' wins above replacement collectively is 2. So, I mean, that's that's surprising for a team that's had the kinds of issues they have had this year. But the White Sox are right behind. So it's, it's the Yankees, Red Sox the Mariners, Blue Jays, and then the White Sox. So if you just look at those numbers, it looks pretty good. And I think there's reason to believe that will, like I said, those rough edges are going to to smooth out a little bit. I, I just I think they are a better bullpen than what we've seen so far. Just look at the arms they have out there. And I, I expect Liam Hendricks to be good this year. And Aaron Bummer, who was so good last year and Cody Hoyer is filthy. He is really filthy. I I like the makeup of the Sox bullpen and you know that their bullpens are fickle and sometimes they they do things you don't expect and sometimes you have relievers that get blown up and you don't expect it because they were so good the year prior. Uh, that does happen, but I but I really think this is a good unit. That what the Sox are putting out there is a pretty good unit. And I, I do think that that will get better as the season goes on. I'm I'm not really concerned about them there. I think what happened yesterday could have, last night could have ended up being really um, a, a gut punch. You know, you had opportunities in the game to score more than you did. You just get that one run. You think, okay, this is going to be one of those days. You'll have to protect a one nothing lead and then live to fight another day tomorrow, and then they give up that lead in the ninth, but then they come right back, and Nick Madrigal with a terrific at-bat. And again, look, when when you're 0-2, and you're able to put the ball in play and do what he did, a lot of times with a young hitter, and I know Madrigal doesn't really uh, fit the bill of somebody who chases a lot when he's anxious, Usually, though, that's what happens, especially with younger hitters. You see it with Luis Robert, for example, chasing pitches that are not in the zone and never were in the zone because you don't want to strike out looking. So you're susceptible to the breaking stuff, and you will see that happen. Madrigal has not been susceptible to that stuff, at least so far. During the game last night, Madrigal was on Fox Sports 1 after the fact, and he talked about that final at bat and what was going on there. I felt comfortable. Uh, you know, I really wasn't trying to overthink it. 
You know, even to start the inning, uh, once Robert got on, I knew there was a good chance they were going to walk Mercedes. They weren't going to pitch to him. And, uh, I mean, Billy put some good swings on the ball. And uh, But I was ready for that moment. I, you know, I had, I had it in my mind, you know, you know making that hit. And, uh, you know, for, I was fortunate enough it, you know, worked out for me. Yeah, and it did when it worked out for the Sox. And that was a lot of fun. Those walk-off winners are a they're, – they're great. And you know what? I think that – of course, you'd like to win every day six to nothing. But when you get moments like that, uh, when you that's the benefit of coughing up a lead in the ninth inning is that you get to maybe have a moment like that in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, I mean, there's a silver lining there, right? I'm Mr. Positivity, and uh, I'm giving you another reason to be excited about walk-off winners. But Madrigal could be a, a significant part of the White Sox offense. Look, he's... Not going to be somebody who carries them offensively, and he's not supposed to. That's not who he is. There is a heart of the Sox order, and he's not really that guy. But if you have him at the bottom of the order contributing in any meaningful way, that's that's terrific. And I think you can expect more of that from him. The number to text is 312-644-6767. This text from an 815, it says, uh, Tony was saved by Madrigal, having Yerminator try to steal earlier in the game and then taking the bat out of his hand by having Grandal bunt, who has been clutch in late-inning situations, was nuts. And first of all, I think on the Yermin Mercedes steal attempt, um, I... I was watching the FS1 broadcast last night. Uh, Len and A.J. Przinski were on that broadcast. Len Casper and A.J. And A.J. said as soon as it happened, and they showed the replay, he said, you know what, I don't think that was a straight steal. I think that that was a missed hit and run. That I don't think he was, I don't think that he was just trying to take off and steal second, and he didn't think that was the order that came from the dugout, that they were trying to... Um, get a hit and run going with Vaughn at the plate, but then he just missed the pitch, and it and it didn't work out. And when that happens, um, a lot of times you're going to be toasted second because you're expecting contact and the contact doesn't happen. So I think that's AJ is probably right on that, and he's a smart dude. I think he I think he can read things like that pretty well. So I don't think that's what happened. I think they were just trying to help out Vaughn in that situation. I do, however, agree on the Yasmani Grandal bunt attempt. I I mean, he got it down, but there was no reason to give up an out in that situation. None. I don't mind it, though, just because if he hits it on the ground, I mean, Robert's fast, and he might maybe make a play at second and break but up a double, double play. play. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Grandal is super slow, and I mean, with Madrigal, you're exactly right. He's not striking out. He's not swinging and missing. He's going to put the ball in play, and him and Robert both have speed, and by at that point, Robert was already on second. So I, and it's weird to say, but I think he's one of Madrigal is one of the guys that I'd like to have up uh, taking a final at bat for the White Sox because I know he's not going to go down. He's swinging. not going to strike out. Yeah. Yeah. So it, and that's an important point. And I understand the concern of the double play. I don't think without knowing the numbers and I, I, I'm not sure what then somebody out there who's smarter than me might know what those numbers are of the risk, the actual risk of grounding into a double play in that moment. That Grandall, yes, is a double play candidate, but is it more likely he grounds into a double play 
then simply just strikes out or you know some other outcome happens i don't i don't know if the double play is the most likely outcome in that at bat and i think that's what you're assuming in that situation if you say well he's got to lay down the bunt because it's likely he's going to end up grounding into a double play um i don't know if that's true i understand you want to stay out of that risk but i think you're better off just taking the at bat because the byproduct of what happened yesterday, and again, it worked out in the Sox favor, but the byproduct is you also take the bat out of your mean Mercedes hands because if the runner is at first base still, Mercedes is going to get the hit and they're not walking him. The only reason they walked him, put him on first intentionally, was because first base is open. But in that situation, runner at first, let's say there is one out because Grandall strikes out, Still got the runner at first. Mercedes comes up. He's going to bat with a runner at first base. They're not going to put him on and move that run into scoring position in a tie ball game in the ninth inning. They're not going to do that. So I would have preferred Grandall just swing away and whatever happens, happens. And I'll assume the risk of the double play there and let Mercedes bat. But you know what? Didn't matter. Because, as Sean said, Madrigal came through and he got the hit to win the game because he doesn't strike out very much. Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs wrote this week about players on teams that are irreplaceable. There's a White Sox player in the top 10 on that list. We'll talk about that and we'll see if there are any Cubs on his list. Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs joins us next on Hit and Run on the Score. Pitch number 65. A breaking ball that is demolished to left and bring him home. 5-3 Sox. Well, we said he had a good look at that breaking ball down and out of the zone, and this one hung up in his eyes. And this is a no-doubt line drive just rifled out of the ballpark. The Sox have taken the lead. The call on NBC Sports Chicago, I'm not going to tell you who hit it, because if I did, that would give it all away. Which players in town are irreplaceable? The most irreplaceable. We have a guest next who will tell us uh, who they are. Dan Zimborski is a senior writer for Fangraphs. Uh, you, he is of the Zips fame. So if you're into advanced metrics at all, if you're into Fangraphs, you know about Zips and Dan uh, he's the man when it comes to that stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan, or excuse me, at D Zimborski, S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. He's a very good follow. If you like baseball, that's a dude you want to follow. Dan joins us now on Hit and Run on the Score. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing pretty well, Chris. Uh, thanks for spelling my name so I don't have to. It's a, it's a nice break. <laughs> I know. I figure people probably, well, what is there, a Z in there? Where is the Z first? Yeah. I'm sure you, there's you a probably lot get a lot of letters of in there. Okay. Yeah. You, uh, you spell out your name and people are thinking you're just making it up. I was like, okay, YMB, these don't go together. Dude, I have, my name is like, it. my name's stupid. You know, it's six letters, but nobody knows how to spell it ever. So I always have to spell it out for people. Like even I was on the score for, you know, 14 years and I was still spelling it at the end just because just because I want people to know uh, that it's not spelled with a J. All right. Anyway, so so, Dan, you, you wrote this past week about some of the players in baseball who are the most irreplaceable for their teams. And I think we all know what irreplaceable means. There's a White Sox player prominent on that list in the top 10. 
Uh, yeah, well, uh, Luis Robert comes out, you know, number one because you look at, at, at the depth of the team, even if you think that Giolito overall is, is possibly the more valuable player, but the White Sox do not have the outfield depth to replace him. Uh, if something happened to him, you might see Billy Hamilton, and that is a big drop-off. That's a larger drop-off than in the rotation where they have accumulated some pretty solid depth. Yeah, and and Robert is one of those people that you know his career is still very young. So so to say that he is irreplaceable at this moment, um, that's to me that's like wow. Okay, that's uh, that's I don't I wouldn't say it's a shock, but it's a little surprising to hear that of all the players offensively they have that you know he might be that one. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that value essentially is not just how good you are. It's how you would be replaced if something happened to you. Uh, if you have, uh, uh, say, two Porsches in your driveway, not me, just for, <laughs> just for this example. If you did. Yeah, the Porsches are, yeah, the Porsches are the valuable, but we're only talking about getting to the grocery store this weekend. Again, we're using our Porsche for some reason. If, you, if one of those breaks down, you do have the other Porsche. But the White Sox, if they have to replace Robert, they don't have you know, a sports car to replace him. They would be replacing him with a bicycle that has one wheel, a unicycle, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So is, it, is this really because of the Eloy injury? Would he still be on this list if Eloy was, was available? I, I think if he'd become close because – the Sox don't have anyone, and really few teams do, have guys who also play as solid defense as he does in the center. And that's hard to, hard to replace. I mean, I, I brought up Hamilton. Hamilton could do that kind of thing, but Hamilton does not hit that well, let's just say. Uh, it, it's hard to find a player with, that, with those combinations of skills. Uh, and it's, it's even hard to do that with a trade. Uh, so I think I'm pretty confident at this point that, that's, that even though it might seem a little crazy to have him ranking up with Jake DeGrom... I, I think that there is something there. Yeah, so let me give that list without giving away the entire uh, piece that people should go to fan graphs and read. I mean, your list from one to Robert, and Robert is in at seven. It's Trout, Cole, Acuna, Bregman, DeGrom, and Correa. And then, you know, you get to Luis Robert. And uh, I, I think that that's, that's encouraging to hear that, that, you know, well, I, I guess you could take it two ways, right? You could, like you said, mm-hmm. the options to replace him are not good. So if you don't have him, you're kind of in a, a bit of trouble there. Um, but that also means that you're projecting him to be pretty good by the end of the year. Is that how, is that how Zips looks at him? By the time we get to the end of the season, what is the expectation for Luis Robert? Well, Zips does see him not, you know, an MVP candidate, but as a, you know, an all-star type center fielder uh, that he consolidated his defense last year. Because one of the things that what was fascinating about him in 2019 is the way that Zips translates minor league numbers is I use data that actually has the location of every hit ball in the outfield. And in, in, in 2019, he was the the second most valuable defensive player in all the minors using this methodology. Uh, and that was a big improvement on 2018. And the question was for, for me was, would he show that in the majors in, in 2020? And he did, even when he struggled offensively, his defense was just sterling. Uh, so I think that he doesn't have to, you know, have a, a thousand OPS to be a, a, a big star. Uh, he's a really, really solid player and he's working out, you know, as anyone could have hoped, I think.
Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs joins us on Hit and Run on the score. Um, looking at the top 10, no Cubs were on that list. <laughs> w- w- would there be any Cubs players that would rank somewhere on a list if you were to extend that beyond 10? I, I think the problem is uh, a lot of the Cubs players just aren't as, I don't want to say good, but m- not as exciting and not as irreplaceable as they might have been a few years ago. There, there are more questions about you know some of the team's biggest stars. Uh, I, I think I go back to a few years ago, uh, Javier Baez uh, made this list for a, a few years running, because I, I do this every year, and he had a really, you know, a really mess of a 2020. He's hitting for power this year, but it's not really his classic type of performance yet. Uh, I, I, I think that the Cubs do have some problems that, that they extend larger than any one player. Uh, so I know Cubs, I think, I think the top Cubs were, I think they were like 13th or something. I think it was like Hendricks pretty, he was out of the top 10. Well, yeah, because I mean, then that makes a lot of sense too, because he, is is their I would say their steadiest pitcher. I mean, he's the one guy on the staff. You feel like you are pretty confident. You know what you'll get from him every five days, even though it, it hasn't worked out that way so far this year. Yeah, uh, the projections. I mean, he they have gone down a little bit because of his his poor showing so far. Uh, but you know, you while you should take April numbers seriously, you shouldn't get panic about them quite yet in most cases. Dan, is there a we were talking about Baez a moment ago. Is there any reason to think that what we're seeing from him and you know, you mentioned the power numbers and his ISO is the his ISO number right now is the best he's had in his career so far. Which is strange because you look at him and, and just the at bats don't look right a lot of times. Is there any reason in your mind for optimism on him for this season? I think I guess optimism in the sense that that 2020 was a weird year, and you could draw too many conclusions based on that. But his contact numbers so far have been terrible. Uh, his they're down like in like the 50 percent range this year, which is extremely concerning. Uh, his swinging strike rate last I checked was like one in four swings uh, or one in four pitches. That that's a problem, and he's never exactly been you know a contact hitter. He's not going to be Tony Gwynn in a in a great season. But I think he's kind of past that line where the contact becomes a real just serious concern uh, and that no matter how much power he hits for it, it's you have a lot to make up if your on base percentage is going to be you know 270 yeah as you mentioned his contact percentage right now is at 53.2 which is 10 points lower than any other season that he's had uh, since 2015 which is that's not good <laughs> it's not good at all um, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. You also wrote about, and, and I want to uh, focus on the American League Central here for a moment. You wrote about the Kansas City Royals. They are off to a really strong start. There are a lot of people in baseball who think they can keep this up. I'm still skeptical about what the Royals are and if they can win the division. You think they can? Well, they can. So let me let me qualify that. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think they're a top contender. They, they do have a lot of holes, but they're kind of one of those low-ceiling, high-floor teams. Uh, when they were facing a rebuild, like a lot of teams do, you know, they do the full-on rebuild, the Royals kind of tried to keep a lot of their court together. And that has the advantage of when they add a few players like this. If you can get near 500, you know, the future is very hard to predict. 
So a 500 team can surprise and be a 90 win team sometimes. An example I like to use is that if you knew that every team in baseball was a coin flip to win every single game, which we obviously don't know anything with anywhere near that kind of accuracy, you would still expect 20% of the teams to either uh, uh, win uh, 87 games or more or, or, or 75 games or fewer. Uh, so the Royals, I mean, their pitching looks more stable than it appeared at the start of the season. Carlos Santana is showing that he's not done, so his projections have, have gone up considerably. There's only really a few big concerns on the Royals right now. I don't think they could really be a 95-win team. I, they're still, you know, a long shot to make the playoffs, but we're talking, you know, 10, 15, 20% instead of, you know, 5%. I think that they're interesting, and they were interesting in a way a lot of teams weren't this winter. That's absolutely true. There, there was a lot of non-movement uh, during the the off season, which there has been over the last couple of years, and uh, we're we're hoping that I, I think that locally, if this were to come to fruition, that Kansas City ends up winning this division, that would just be the worst. That would just be absolutely. I think people would be so upset with that, watching the Royals go yeah. back to the playoffs. Yeah, everybody was ready for you know the the, the White Sox and Twins. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what we were hoping for, and maybe that will uh, ultimately happen. Dan, I appreciate your time this morning. We'll let you go, and you can go about your Sunday and enjoy a good day of uh, baseball. There's a lot of good baseball. Yeah, always fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, Dan. That is Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, and you should do that. If you like baseball, you like to get into the numbers, Dan is awesome, at uh, DZimborski on Twitter to follow him. We're going to jump right into another guest. We continue the White Sox discussion here as the Sox will play this afternoon, finishing up against the Texas Rangers. James Fegan of The Athletic will join us next. I'm Chris Ranji. This is Hit and Run on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.